And so I land in Vegas and I'm like, I'm going for a run and I'm all gung ho. And I put on some shorts and a shirt and I go hit the strip. Dude, I one mile down the strip in that Vegas heat. And I thought I was going to die. This one's radio episode 528 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode, just want to uh, ask, and, and there's no no sponsor today, uh, just want to ask if you'd be so willing, if you enjoy this episode or any episode of the show, uh, to, to remember to share it, to, to promote it, to, to help uh, spread the word, um, because if you're enjoying it, chances are, maybe not for sure, but chances are that there's some people in your circles that would enjoy listening to you know the various, the various uh, interviews that we have and quick tips and things like that related towards all things running related. And uh, today's episode um, is, is kind of powerful and uh, special um, and uh, something that I, I would really like for people to, to hear as well. So um, if, you don't, if you don't mind posting about it on social media, maybe, maybe doing a, a shout out uh, on, on your stories, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or on your blog or, or whatever, um, if, if you would be willing to do that, it'd be appreciated. If not, you know, I'll, I'll still love you. I'll still, uh, I'll still let you listen to the show. But uh, if you don't mind uh, just kind of helping to spread the word um, when, when there's an episode that you really enjoy or a quick tip that really resonates with you, I would appreciate it. But, uh, you know, again, it, it's, it's, but anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead uh, right now and uh, dive into today's episode of the show. Hey guys, today I'm uh, going a few easy miles with someone that is about to go a few thousand, probably not so easy miles for a cause that is very personal to him. My guest today is no strange, no stranger to pushing his limits. He's finished over 100 marathon or ultra distance events. He's competed in the world's toughest mutter event and a, a whole variety of other obstacle type of events that usually the, the more gnarly, the better. Uh, he's been a participant in the American Ninja Warrior program. Um, and he was also one of four finishers, only four finishers in the uh, History Channel's documentary series, which was titled uh, The Selection, a special operations experiment. And I, I definitely want to talk about that a little bit more as we go. But uh, now, like I said, he's gearing up for a, a pretty, pretty crazy adventure. Uh, he's going to be running 3000 miles across the United States from San Francisco to New, to New York City in the support of uh, the Help for Children organization. So without any further ado, it is uh, a pleasure to be able to welcome Christian Griffith to the show today. Uh, thanks for joining us, Christian. Appreciate your time. Oh, thanks, man. I'm glad to be here. Uh, the, 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 I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, um, lots, of, lots of things to talk about today. And uh, before we get into everything, do want to make sure to, to remind everybody or point everybody in the right direction. Uh, if you want to find out more about Christian and what he's got going on uh, as, as we go today, guys, uh, runtoheal.org is the, uh, the, web, the website. Run, R-U-N, the number two, and then H-E-A-L, runtoheal.org. And uh, pretty much on, on all the social medias, if you want to connect with Christian and, and uh, follow along as the, as the journey uh, unfolds, which is going to be happening uh, fairly soon um at run the number 3000 miles at run 3000 miles is the handle pretty much across all of the uh the social media platforms and as always we'll have everything linked up in the show notes like we always do so if you forgot anything or couldn't write it down or whatever uh just head over to the show notes and for this episode that'll be disruns.com slash 528 and you can uh, get all of christian's contact information and and all of that good stuff will be linked up there so uh christian the way we always uh start off the show 
is with um, uh, what is designed to be a um, what is quite frankly what is a very simple question, but the answer uh, sometimes sometimes it's pretty simple for for some folks, and sometimes it's really kind of a, a head scratcher. But it's just a, a fun place to start and gives us kind of a launching off point, and that is to uh, just simply ask you what is your favorite distance to race and why. So, yeah, I'm not a quick answer kind of guy, so <laughs> you don't have to worry about that one. But, uh, you know, in thinking about that question, I'd have to say the distance that challenges me the most. Mm. And the reason that I say that is because, you know, I've gone through with my running career, I've gone through what feels like every, 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 every bit of, of challenge and goal. Meaning I've been at the 5K where my goal was to run sub 20. I uh, finally got to a point where I ran a, an 1835 K. Huge accomplishment for me, right? Um, all the way up to, you know, 100 milers and 140 miles at across the years one year. It's, but at the end of the day, you know, there's some 100s that I've done that to me felt easier than trying to go 130 at the half marathon. Mm. So, you know, it's it really just depends on the course, the goal. But at the end of the day, for me, it's the personal challenge. That's what I get the most out of running is, you know, what do what can I learn about myself? What, how far can I push myself? How hard can I push myself? And, you know, what am I what am I truly made of? At what point do I start to give up? Do I start to go backwards? Do I start to give in? And Gotcha. Gotcha. That's um I, 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 my, my head is still spinning a little bit from the, uh, um, you know, the, the idea that, that a hundred miler could be more difficult than, than a, a half marathon. Although obviously if you're going one thirty, you're, you're pushing, you're pushing the, the hammer pretty hard. The, the entire, um, you know, 90 minutes or so that, that you're trying to, to do the half marathon under, um, I, but but I still I, I I don't know I guess I just there there's such different realms I've never gone anywhere near 100 miles so it's it's hard for me to to wrap my head around that but um, where with all of your answer and, and the, the always trying to push to the next thing where does that desire come from is that something that that's always been something for you have you always striven to to do more or um, is that something that's that's kind of set in as you got into running or or where did was that, is that just an internal thing like like how do you, where does that uh, that drive and desire come from for you. Well, I think I'm an extremist. Um, and I think that comes from a very, a, a number of sources that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I've just found a healthy way to take my extremes, right? If I was a drug addict, I would be the worst drug addict on the planet. If I like to drink alcohol, I'd probably be the most fun, wildest alcoholic until I ended up in a gutter somewhere. Um, I push everything as far as I possibly can. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that drive just comes from, um, you know, some factors internally, some things that that have made me who I am today, from uh, some of the sexual abuse that I endured as a child to uh, my 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 mentor and my number one hero in life is my grandfather, who was uh, Special Forces Air Force. He flew P-51s in World War II. I uh, was part of General Cheneau's Flying Tiger Group. Um you know, he's just a badass. I mean, that's just all there is to it. And, uh, you know, a humble badass at that. And, uh, you know, just somebody that I really look up to. And I think I spent a lot of my life, not necessarily comparing myself to him, but wanting to wanting his approval and wanted him to uh, see me in the same light as he saw himself. You know, 
I wanted to be a badass. I wanted to be someone who was tough, who could endure anything, and uh, you know, who did it with a smile. Gotcha, and, and uh, you, you're definitely proving um, that uh, you've got some of that that badassery, that that uh, uh, the, the things that you've done, and the, obviously the things that that are on on tap, and and uh, will be will be. Uh, yeah, the, the the run across the country obviously um, is is gonna gonna test you, and, and uh, I think it'll add another notch or two to the uh, the badass belt. Um, and and I certainly don't want to gloss over. You know, you mentioned the the sexual abuse, um, and that's a whole part of of the story of what you're doing here in, in another uh, couple of months. And I want to get to that in in a minute, but a little bit of, of other backstory stuff first. Um, how did you get into into running? Because I, I feel like um, as a runner that uh, I don't know that that our sport isn't. Uh, really the thing for those that like to push the extreme that those that that i you know there's i feel like there's other sports that are a bit more extreme than, than running even once you get into it even once you're, you're all in on the sport and you want to push yourself and and you know go fast go far whatever it might be it, it doesn't strike me and this is coming from somebody who is a runner as as the most extreme sport so for somebody like yourself who likes to do the extreme likes to to push it and, and be a badass how did you find our our, our little sport of of uh, running to begin with yeah, so it's that, that that's a great question. Actually, I'm rarely asked that, but um, I think it comes from that I grew up my entire life uh, really at the beach and within doing beach sports. So sponsored amateur skateboarder in high school. Um, also did a lot of surfing in high school. It just wasn't my number one sport. But it, again, it, I was either skateboarding or surfing. And to be honest with you. Uh, I was so into the beach culture and, and, and beach sports that I allowed sort of this kind of arrogant silo view to prevent me from doing a lot of things that uh, I found out later in life I really liked, uh, gymnastics being one of them. I never thought in a million years I would like gymnastics. I just had these preconceived notions of it as a kid and as a boy growing up and especially as someone who had been through what I had been through. I. I was, it was real important to me to look very masculine, look very hetero. Mm. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I never gravitated towards a sport like gymnastics. And then once I got into CrossFit methodology of training, I learned that the gymnastics movements were something that I really liked. So this is a really great question. Um, once I moved away from the beach, uh, living in Atlanta, Georgia was the first time that I've ever lived in a city. And I was working for a ticket company. Uh, it was a startup ticket company. And I became a workaholic real quick. And I was on my way to a conference in Las Vegas. And I think you'll remember back when they had bookstores. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I uh, went next door to Borders Books and was going to look for a book for my flight from Atlanta to Vegas. Good four and a half hour flight. So I'm um, just browsing the books and I see this book called Ultra Marathon Man. And I pick it up and I look on the back. And it's a story of how... Um, Dean Carnassus, uh, ultra marathon athlete, uh, ran a hundred mile race. And I thought to my, at the time I was kind of wanting to get back into shape. I was, you know, very overweight. I got to 250 pounds, which for my frame, like 180 is where I should be. So, you know, I'm quite a bit overweight and I'm lethargic and I'm not happy with where I'm at with my fitness and just my life as, as someone who likes to play. And so I saw this book and I thought to myself, no way, man. There is no way that a human being could run 100 miles. I mean, the concept of a marathon to me was ridiculous. And here I was running 5Ks and suffering. So, you know, 100 miles, no way. So I bought the book, started reading it. And, you know, Dean Carnassus gets a lot of hate 
in the ultra running community and people love to beat up on him, but I love the guy, man. And I think that his book was awesome. And I read ultra marathon man from cover to cover on that flight to Vegas. And by the time I landed in Vegas, I decided, you know what? I'm going to become an ultra marathoner. And what a great and incredible challenge. And so I land in Vegas and I'm like, I'm going for a run and I'm all gung ho. And I put on some shorts and a shirt and I go hit the strip, dude. I one mile down the strip in that Vegas heat. And I thought I was going to die. Mm -hmm. I turn around and run back. And I remember getting heckled by the valet guys, (laughs) you know, looking just like, you know, like I'd run an ultra marathon, but I really just smashed from the heat in Vegas. But it was that book and that experience and that moment that was the catalyst for me. And that was in 2006, yeah, sorry, in 2006. That year I ran my first marathon, which was the Atlanta Marathon. Um, again, it was 2006. It was June of 2006 for this moment. And by November, I had trained to run my first marathon. Almost quit. It took me five and a half hours. By the time I crossed the finish line, the only people left were my wife and my son kind of <laughs> clapping, yay, as I crossed the finish The Atlanta Track Club's already taking the scaffolding down mm-hmm. for the race. I'm literally one of the last people to come through. But it was monumental for me. And I uh, decided at that point that I was going to run an ultra marathon. I did that a few months later in February of 2017. And from that point forward, it just became this – goal in this series of tackling challenges and uh you know running began the process but that moved into obstacle course racing and survival runs and you know as as obstacle course racing sort of grew i grew right along with it and yeah i mean that's that's how i got into all this extreme stuff and I'll, i'll never look back i mean i'll be 48 this year and i feel like i'm 16 Wow, that's that's awesome, and and uh, you know what what a you know, just what a what a random twist of fate or occurrence or or you know happenstance that that of all the books that you would pick up, you know somebody who's a non runner at that point would pick up an ultra marathon book, and and I mean what a you know how, how the chain of events fall into place after that is is kind of uh, almost mind boggling. Yeah, and you know what though, bro? I mean that's. <laughs> that's the way my entire life has unfolded. Um, you know, it's everything that the, the unexpected has always become the expected. Um, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And now that I've, I've sort of learned to be more open-minded and to really value experience and people, my life has just exploded. Like that's only become more of an aspect of my life. You know, once I changed who and what I want to be and how I want to live my life. Gotcha. Gotcha. At this point, when it, as it relates to, to running, do you uh, have a preference for obstacle course racing versus, you know, just running, whether it's, it's, you know, whatever distance it might be. Do do you like the added challenge of having obstacles on the way or, or do you like them both for what they are? Or do you have a preference one way or the other? You know, I like them both for what they are because I, I would never choose one over the, the other one, you know, I obviously I, I tend to do a bit better in the obstacle races than I do in ultra marathoning simply because I'm more built for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a significant amount of upper body strength. I train with, uh, you know, whether it's a CrossFit methodology or just my own body weight, sort of functional fitness kind of strength training. Um, and, uh, you know, it's it, it just it fits my body type and my experience as well. So I tend to do better in the Spartan races, the Tough Mudders. 
Um, and then, you know, the, even the, the sort of off-brand obstacle mm-hmm. races. Where with ultra running, um, you know, it's, it's more of a challenge for me as a bigger guy and as more of a, a strength guy. Uh, you know, I'm not the small, tiny, fast, efficient runner, and it's more of a challenge. But again, I thrive on that challenge. So, you know, as an example, this just this past weekend, I went up and ran the Mountain Mist 50K which is a, um, a 50K race in the foothills of the Appalachian up at Monsanto State Park outside of Huntsville, Alabama. And I got my 10-year jacket this year. I've run this race 10 years. And, um, you know, there, at, at one point in time, speed was really important to me. And my fastest uh, time at this race was 5.15, something I'm very proud of. But this year, running it with one of my best buddies, I ran it and it took us seven hours and 30 minutes. We ran the whole way. But it wasn't about speed. It was about enjoying ourselves, getting to know other people on the course, inspiring others on the course. You know, you run it when you're when you're back there in sort of the mid and the back pack. It's a different mindset and mm-hmm. it's a different group of people. And there are some people that are going for their first ultra and uh, are not used to, to, to challenging trails or to kind of some of the things that their body is doing to them during this kind of race. And I really enjoy just pumping those people up and, and helping them to get to the finish. Was was that a different, uh, a difficult uh, mindset switch that you had to go through with with not always feeling the need or the desire to, to push the pace and race hard, but but to run like you said a completely different type of race than maybe what you had been used to up to that point? Absolutely, it was a complete my it was a complete almost three sixty because when I first got into running, I sort of felt like the the newbie coop because I was you know I was overweight, I was slow. But my nature had me, you know, my competitive nature had had this desire in me to get better and better and better. So, like I said, you know, I went from a guy that's running 30 minute 5Ks to my fastest 5K at 1830, um, you know, and, and, and all of that in between, all of that training and intensity and individual focus. And that's very different, right? Like it's it's very self-serving. It's very it's very egocentric and and uh and then to go from you know having some experiences in my life that made me open up and want to focus more on people and experiences i learned that wow this is a whole nother aspect to the sport that i never really got into because i was so focused on myself and focusing on others and being part of their experience and their race and their event it's like a whole nother feeling of accomplishment or, or, you know, you go home feeling, wow, that was awesome, man. I made some new friends. I felt a whole new like emotion. I had a, a new experience and, and I just love that dude. Like I just, I just love it. I just, mm-hmm. I love new experiences and new people and it just, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a total 360. I've come back around from carrying, carrying, sorry, caring less about my individual performance and more about being inspirational and motivating others. Gotcha. Do, do you still have the, the itch to race hard and push yourself once in a while? Or is it, is it mostly about being there with others now at this point in your running career? Definitely have the itch yeah. and I'll never be a one trick pony. So, you know, why, and, and I think it also, you know, plays a lot into how I'm training, you know, since I'm getting ready to run across the country, um, my training is is slow training. It's it's built around active recovery. So certainly I'm not going out there and killing myself. But when I get done with this particular challenge, my goal is to break the mile record 
speed record for a 50-year-old master's athlete. Mm -hmm. So in 2020, I want to break the mile record. So again, I'll be right back to speed training afterwards. So I think it's sort of a, an ebbs and flows kind of thing. But right now I'm in the motivational, inspirational, sort of personal growth stage um, that's, that's really exciting for me. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and the, the ebbs and flows is probably a, probably a good thing. It keeps it, it keeps things fresh. It, it like gives you new perspective, and, and uh, it's only going to make you know when when it's when it's time to, to focus back in on the speed and, and going hard and and that type of drive. It's only going to make you that much more more focused on on that goal. So I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's and and again, like I said, it fits my personality. I never want. I never. I'm I'm ADHD. I just am, and uh, you know, diagnosed. I've been given drugs for it, but I won't take them which probably makes me even more ADHD. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm constantly into something else from some different angles. So it just, it, it just fits me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and, uh, shifting gears just a little bit, but before we get to the, the run across the country, I do want to at least touch on the, uh, the, the history channel documentary that, that you were on or the, the, the series of, uh, um, miniseries, whatever, whatever it's technically called, but the, the selection, the, the special operations experiment, how did, how did you get, I mean, so to set a little bit of context, and I'm not an expert, but from reading on the on the website, for those that, that have never heard of this before, there was 40 civilians that uh, get get uh, selected to be part of this this show with uh, some some ex or maybe current I don't know ex or, ex or current special forces instructors, and kind of put you through kind of a, a couple week long um, boot camp type of, of thing. Am I am I close to to correct on all of that? Yeah, it's pretty good. The um, there's a show in in England called SAS, uh, Who Dare Win or something like that. But it this show is patterned after that, and it's exactly that. They brought forty civilian athletes from various athletic disciplines. So you know, I was the ultra runner. There was a Spartan race pro named Ryan Kent who was there. There was a powerlifting girl. There was. Uh, a girl who had a stint with the Baltimore Ravens as a cheerleader. There was, you know, basketball players and swimmers and people from all different kinds of backgrounds, football players, you name it, right? There's a very broad group. And the goal was to bring these athletes to Los Angeles and have these special operations veterans. And some of them are, they're either veterans or they're working, you know, contract jobs as well. So they're still somewhat current, mm -hmm. I guess you would say. Um, but put us through some of the selection criteria that they went through as selection candidates in their individual um, in their individual branches of service, and to see who could make it. And it was terrible. I mean, I'll just tell you flat out, it was terrible. It was 16 days of beatdown, really 12 days of total beatdown, four days of kind of admin stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, we went through it and we went through, it was a History Channel filmed it. It was what they call a reality documentary. Uh, it's eight series, it's an eight part series. So there are eight episodes. Um, it's available on Amazon or Xfinity, if that's your cable provider. Any of your cable providers, you can get it on demand. But um, yeah, and, and what you'll see is kind of very much like a survivor type format where through each episode, you start to see people who either quit because they, you know, it's just too much for them or they are performance drop because they just can't keep up with the standard. Mm -hmm. um, and then the end goal, of course, is which athletes can make it 
through this experiment? Which athletes have what it takes to get through this? And um, yeah, I'm very proud of being a finisher because at the end of the day, there were only four of us left. Uh, we're all four of us are very, very close now uh, after what we went through. Um, and I'm very proud of it. I'm also proud of the fact that I was the oldest guy out there. Um, the next youngest guy below me to finish was 13 years younger than me. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a badge of honor for me. It was, uh, I learned a lot through the experience. I utilized some things that I've learned, uh, I guess, just through life experiences and some of the other events that I've taken part in. I've learned that by focusing on others and helping them, it actually helps me. And I attribute that almost solely to my ability to succeed on the show. Gotcha, gotcha. For for you in in the um, the the challenges, the the things that the, that you went through on on that show, what was the most difficult uh, thing that you had to to endure, survive, uh, put up with? Uh, what what was the the biggest challenge for you in, in your uh, you know sixteen days of, of uh, being part of that? Now, there were three, and I'll just go through them quick. I think the first was when I was blindfolded, uh, taken into a room, uh, blindfold lifted off of me. I'm sitting in front of two of the instructors. They look pretty intimidating, and they start grilling me with some questions about my life and my past. They really wanted to see just why I was there. I think they wanted to learn and know and understand my why Mm -hmm. for being there. And then they also wanted to intimidate me a bit, and then also – Uh, They forced me to recite something that we were told to memorize. And um, that was tough because luckily I nailed it and uh, that was good. But it was it was intimidating and hard. The second thing was um, a torture episode, uh, episode number four, where they tortured us as though we were captured by, you know, let's say Taliban or enemy forces and um, put us through a bunch of torture type techniques. It was 11 hours long. Uh, They put us in this room. We had blacked out goggles on. We had no idea what was going on. We were constantly being poked and prodded, um, you know, stun guns fired behind our head, dogs barking in our faces. We had to use the bathroom on ourselves. Mm. They had heat lamps on us. Um, They had a baby crying at an incredible volume for 11 hours straight, uh, which is just a psychological tactic known to just drive people crazy. Um, it was just, it was, it was very, very intense and, uh, going through that, I was very, very close to quitting. And then la- the very last day, because I didn't know that it was the very last day, mm-hmm. they put us through a tremendous, uh, physical challenge of rucking, which is walking with weight on your back, um, up and over some really, really intense mountain climbs with 65 to 70 pounds on our back. And it just broke me down. It broke me down physically, mentally, emotionally, and took me really to the brink of what I was capable of. And had the show not ended at the end of that particular evolution, I'm not 100% sure I'd have made it. I mean, a lot of my friends and my girl and everybody says, oh, you would have been fine. You'd have made it. But I was there. And I was the one that went through that experience. And I was at my very, very end. Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to uh, to to jumping in and, and catching up on it. It, 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 I, it. I'm sure it's gonna be one of those things where as I'm watching it, going, "Wow, this is this is just crazy." Um, one last question on that, and then we'll move over to to what the big the big elephant in the room of, of the run across the the country. But of sure. the, the four guys, you and the, the three other, uh, it was all all men that, that finished. Um, were there any kind of common? 
uh, traits as far as, like you said, it was, it was kind of brought together as, you know, what kind of different athletes or different type of people might be best suited to do something like this. So, you know, you being kind of the, the ultra runner, um, obstacle course runner type of guy, were, were the other uh, three, three fellows that finished in a, of a similar type of vein or were, were you all very diverse as far as what your backgrounds, backgrounds were going into uh, the, the challenge? Man, again, another great question. I think that physically, we were all very similar. Um, you know, I look at Ryan Kent. He's a genetic freak. You know, as a Spartan pro, he's winning a lot of Spartan races now. Um, he's, you know, very fast. He was always, you know, physically over and above all of us. But he came to the show very, very cocky. Hmm. I really did not like him when I first met him. And quite honestly, nor did many others. But over the evolution of the show, it was amazing to watch his transformation from everything's about me and I'm an individual superstar to, oh, my God, for me to get through this, I need a team. I need my buddies. I need brothers. I need a support system. And to watch him kind of make this metamorphosis from look at me, look at me, look at me, to, hey, guys, come on, we can do this, we can do this together and become more of a team player. It's in a, it's one of the coolest parts of the show is his metamorphosis. And I think that for some of us, we are all at varying levels of that. And luckily, he got there quickly, so he was able to combine that with his athleticism. But at the end of the day, it wasn't just about the athleticism. It was about a brotherhood and about mind over matter. And I think that every one of us that got through it believed that we would not quit. I mean, I went to that show with this mindset right here, bro. This was it. I said, I will not quit no matter what. Even if they performance drop me, because I know how these special forces guys work. They try to get in your head. Mm -hmm. And even if they come to me and they say, you're done, you're not keeping up, your performance dropped, goodbye, give me your number. I was going to be like, hey, you're going to have to call law enforcement in here onto this set and you're going to have to put me in handcuffs and take me off. That's the only way I'm leaving because I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. And having that mindset going into it helped me a lot because I just I there was no way you were going to make me voluntarily say I quit no matter what. Mm -hmm. Well, that's and that's a a, a great way to segue into to what's coming up because a, a 3000 mile run across uh across the continent um is uh something that uh, i mean it it would be, i'm i'm going to assume that there's going to be some pl- some places along the way that uh it would be easy to kind of say you know what the hell with this i'm i'm done with it and and, and you know like this is just it's too much because that's that's quite quite the challenge um uh, but having that that mindset i'm not going to give up i'm i'm going to keep going um i'm i'm sure is going to be a big part of of how you're going to be successful with this and i have no doubt from from talking to you for the last half an hour that that success is going to be the outcome of this thing but uh you know you're putting th- putting this together it goes out if if memory serves i don't have the notes right in front of me but somewhere the middle of march i think is is when you you're shipping out is that uh, that's about right that's right. I'm giving a talk on March 15th at the Help for Children 20th Anniversary Gala at the National Museum of History. And um, that is we're looking at that as the kickoff for my run. But it will be a couple days after that talk. So March 19th is when I officially start running. Mm-hmm. And that's because we're putting on a 5K in Manhattan 
that will allow people to come and run the first 3.1 miles of my journey with me. Mm. And that's really important to me. And I think that's really cool because that's the theme of the entire run is this run is not about me. If it was about me, I'd be going out for some kind of speed record mm. or there would be a, a, a particular goal on how long it takes me. And that's not it, man. My goal is to raise a million dollars for the prevention and treatment of child abuse. That's the elevator pitch. That's what I care about most. I want people to come out and run with me. I want people that have been through sexual abuse as a child or child abuse of any kind to come and talk to me, to share their experiences with me, to run a few miles with me, to understand my journey and what I've been through so that maybe some of that can inspire and motivate them on their journey. Because I spent 35 years dealing with this and pretending like it never happened. And unfortunately, what that equated to was a lot of broken relationships, a lot of behaviors I'm not proud of. And it wasn't until I made that move for significant therapy that my life changed. And, you know, you see all this stuff going on right now, right? Like the gymnastics case, the Larry Nasser thing, and the way these women have stood up and, and, and addressed this guy. And I love it. Like, I feel like the whole universe is coming together right now and it's the perfect time for me to be having this kind of conversation. You know, obviously, and what feels most natural is the women kind of stepping up and addressing their abusers head on and sort of what's not secondary to that, but what we expect as a culture is <clears throat> the men being the next evolution of that. Because, you know, let's face it, in our culture, like it or not, you know, men typically don't like to talk about sexual abuse that happened to them, and especially if it happened to them by another man. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of things that go along with that. Um, and, you know, just our makeup as men, we typically try not, you know, we just try to move on past that stuff. But unfortunately, as I learned in my life, there's no such thing as that. It doesn't just go away. It just manifests itself in other ways. So, you know, I, I get to be that voice for the men and the boys. You know, I've learned through my therapy and just through my life and, and how I am is that I'm, I'm really not afraid, man. I, I have no fear in telling people what I've been through what I'm doing to try to improve it and to recover from it and that they can too. And that there's no way out other than therapy. They will continue to suffer until they take this head on. Hmm. What, uh, there's so many things, I guess I'll just start with, with a, a kind of a, a simple, simple ish uh, question and sure. we'll break it down as we go. But uh, the, the run in, in general, the, the overview of it, how did, how did it even come, come to be? I mean, you know, like you said, there's, there's a whole, um, uh, you know, different, different ways that you can do things, different ways to kind of try to raise money, raise awareness, you know, and, and the timing is, I hate to say it's perfect because we wish we weren't in a time where this was a, a something that we needed to discuss, but, but clearly, clearly it is as a society, as a, as a culture. Um, but but how, did, how did this particular run, 3,000 miles, uh, how, did it, how did it come together uh, with, with Run to Heal, the organization that you're supporting and, and, and raising awareness with? How did it, how did it come to begin uh, to be in place and, and get to the point where we are now where it's, it's just coming up and not, not too much longer down the road? So at the very beginning of this conversation, I said, it's kind of how my life has been, right? Just mm -hmm. things falling into place. And that's pretty much how this has happened right here. I, I'm, you know, my, my career is digital strategy, brand communication. And um, 
I had always had this idea once I started running and especially ultra running, I always wanted to run across the country, A. And B, I thought, you know what would be really cool? And this was back when Visa had Visa Takes You Anywhere. Mm. I said, it would be really cool to go stand in the ocean in Virginia with a Visa card and start running with the goal of getting your feet in the ocean in California with nothing but that Visa card. Mm. And Visa Takes You Anywhere. And you could have this blog that would do live tracking and always see where you're at. And it would be all Visa branded and Visa would love the idea. And I'm this brilliant brand communicator. Come on, Visa, this is a great (laughs) idea, let's do it. Well, even at my level in the advertising agency world, I had no idea how to approach Visa Mm -hmm. as an entity. And every opportunity that I tried failed. So it was always kind of sitting in the back of my mind, but it never got off the ground. Uh, then through all of my, my, my running and, and different things I wanted to do, and I started therapy, and I kind of came out about my sexual abuse in 2016, and you know all of these things that I was afraid of and that I was hiding from, you know, I came out about my abuse, and all, first of all, all the things that I was afraid of about coming out never came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And instead, I got this tremendous amount of outpouring of support, whether it was people sharing their stories with me or whether it was people just saying, man, I cannot believe that you're willing to talk about that. That's awesome. You're really doing something big. And I remember sitting back and thinking, really? Like, I don't I couldn't see it like everyone else was. But I knew that it was a big part of who I was and and a big part of what I wanted to change. And so it was in talking about it that, and going through therapy that I decided I want to help other people. I've finally found a way out of this madness. I really want to help other people. And so I started talking about it more and asking people, how can I help other people? I really want to be part of helping other people. And so I was getting ready to go run this race called the Tortola Torture in the British Virgin Islands. It's on the island of Tortola, put on by my great friend Richard Morgan, a British guy who lived on Tortola, race director. And I had actually run it the year previous and it really hit it off with the race director. We became great friends, so I decided to do it again. And as I was on my way, you know, maybe a month out from going there, it just so happens that Help for Children, the organization that I'm running for, doing this run for, was opening a satellite office in the British Virgin Islands. And they wanted a way to sort of get their name out there and in the community. And long story short, I was recommended by the race director's wife to for them to at least talk to me. And man, we hit it off, boom. I mean, just hit it off first conversation. You know, they love my story. I love what they are all about because unlike most charities where they're focused on awareness, 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 and yes, awareness is a component of what they do, mm. but they but they also provide grant money for the prevention and treatment of child abuse in areas that really need it. And as someone who's in treatment, yeah, I can afford my own treatment, but there's a lot of people out there that can't. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they provide grant money for that was huge to me. And I wanted to align with them immediately. So when I ran Tortola Torture this year, I ran wearing their um, logo materials, their branding materials, and I did a talk at the law firm that was sponsoring their 
um, their sort of move to the island. And uh, from what I've been told, uh, I moved a lot of people during that talk and created some great relationships there. And we decided that it would be in both of our best interests for me to align with the charity and do more of this because, you know, this is a way for me to be able to get my message out. And this is a way for me to be able to help other people. And then came up with this great grand idea of, hey, let's run across the country. And by the way, I'd love to raise money while I'm running across the country, while I'm telling my story, while I'm trying to communicate with as many boys' homes and running groups. And and see, that's the thing about abuse. It's so awesome can't be the right word, but I get passionate and I get fired up, as you can tell, and I start talking about it. But the, the thing is, is you can't just like look at someone and know they're the abused. I mean, yes, of course, a lot of people gravitate towards drugs and alcohol to cope with some of the things that have happened to them. But I guarantee you that there's attorneys that you met in your life. There's, you know, super wealthy people and super successful people and major athletes and all of these people that have really succeeded in life that have just found a way to sort of put that on the shelf but it's something in their lives and it's something that eats away at them every day. And I guarantee you that if you've been through this, this is something that you think about every single day in your life. And it manifests, manifests itself in some very ugly ways. And I'm here to tell you that it's okay and that I know and I feel you and I know where you're coming from. And I'm here to tell you that the only way out is through therapy dealing with it head on. And I love the opportunity of being able to tell people that as I move across the entire country. What other way could you do that? What's another cost-effective way to get attention around child abuse and raising money for child abuse grants? What other way is there to do that grassroots effort than this? Mm. I think it's brilliant. And I think that it's going to make a big difference for a lot of people. And that's all I care about. Yeah, and that and that totally ties into you know some of the the ultra running talk that we had earlier about you know kind of shifting the focus and, and running with others and 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 helping out along the way, um with with your uh, your route uh, I kind of I, I didn't realize this I think before we started talking but I think I put this together with what you just said or you know a few minutes ago that there's no you're not you're not I don't know exactly how I want to say this there's not a, a an end date necessarily in, in mind is that is that true I mean you're just kind of taking as, as long as it takes or do you have an idea of how long it's going to take you to to get across the country well so for planning purposes we do have a living breathing document that outlines you know if I stick to the plan which is 30 miles a day mm-hmm. five days of a seven day week where I'm running 15 miles in the morning and 15 at night So with that protocol, my handler has been able to create uh, a spreadsheet based on loosely where I should start and finish each leg of my run. This is important for a number of reasons. It's important for getting the information out and letting media and entities know in those general areas when and where I'll be coming through so that we can, again, get as much attention as we possibly can from a media perspective all the way down to the individual runner that wants to come and run with me. We have a sign up on the website that allows people to go and see where I'm going to be during what periods, and they can sign up to come out and run with me. You don't have to sign up, but at least it gives us an idea of, oh, we've got 20 people that are coming and running with Christian as he runs into Chicago. Mm -hmm. 
We also have the the 5K, like I told you about in New York, that kind of kicks the runoff. We are developing 5Ks in every one of the major cities where HFC Help for Children has an office. So when I run into Chicago, we're going to do a 5K there, and there's actually a gala happening there as well. When I run into Denver, we're going to do a 5K there, and then there's going to be a 5K in San Francisco as well. So it's loose, mm-hmm. and you know we'll take as much time as necessary, but you know to have any kind of plan and to be able to maximize the media and media potential, we have to have loose loose arms around it. But we're looking at five months. Gotcha, gotcha. That's it's 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 quite the. Uh the the challenge um, I'm sure it's going to be be quite the adventure and, and like like you said and, and like is is very evident it's it's something that that you're very passionate about and, and um, I know that 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 passion is going to um, you know it, it's 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 just going to to make the the event and the exposure that much more powerful um, it, for, for for lack of a of a better way of saying it um, what is your ultimate goal for all of this is it is it well, I'll just I'll just open it. I'll, I'll just I'll just close it or not close it, but I'll I'll just I'll, instead of trying to add to the question, I'm going to leave it right there. What is your ultimate goal for for this run and and for participating in it and 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 everything that's going to happen over the next you know the the five months ish of of the journey? Primarily, my goal is to raise one million dollars for the prevention and treatment of child abuse. Secondarily, and I only say secondarily because you can only have a a one, <laughs> <laughs> but I want to reach as many people as I possibly can. And I want to motivate and inspire people to address their issues from their child abuse. Mm. Um, That is those two things are the whole reason that I'm doing this. You know, this is part of my healing and So there is that selfish component that says that if I don't help other people, I don't believe that I can ever heal. And besides that, it's like, look, look, look at my life, man. I mean, I live a great life. I have a house five blocks, five blocks off the beach in Jacksonville Beach, Florida. I make a good living with my own company. I love to talk. I'm physically fit. I love to inspire and motivate. I have all of these wonderful attributes. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm saying this to, I have a lot of gifts. And for me not to utilize these gifts to help other people who are struggling, to me almost feels like a crime. Like it feels like, it feels like I'm just wasting it. Like, what else should I be doing with this stuff? Trying to acquire more money, trying to acquire more friends, trying to, you know, like you said, at the opening of the show, I've run over 100 ultra marathons, right? What is 133? (laughs) What does 244 mean, right? Oh, it means another medal, another T-shirt, another notch on the belt. Awesome. Way to go, Christian. No, man, I've been there, done that. Now, it, I, I just want to help and motivate and inspire other people to be the very best that they can be and genuinely feel that way and genuinely put that out there. 
Gotcha. Is is um is it's I love it and and like I said I, I know it's going to be successful and, and I'm so looking forward to to following along and and very grateful to to play a little part in helping to spread the word and and helping to um, hopefully get some 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 more attention to you because it's it's well deserved and 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 obviously not just for you but for the greater cause for for what you're working towards and what you're trying to accomplish. Um, but as as we're wrapping up today, Christian, what what I usually do at the end of the show is ask uh, a philosophical question, something that's that's kind of like the beginning question, very open ended and and just kind of allow you allow the person I'm talking to to just kind of go with it wherever they they want to. But um, I think I'm going to go just a little bit off script today and and kind of ask you um, to talk to the people that are listening that um, have have been a victim of abuse as, as a child. And, and based on the statistics, there's several people listening that uh, are probably in that, that category. And like you said, a lot of folks we probably would never guess, would never would never be able to know that there was some type of abuse uh, in, in the past. It's, it's boxed up, bottled up, tucked away, um, hopefully to never to never resurface. And, and you know, as you said, that the, you have to address it or it's just going to keep eating at you. So um, if, if you, if you would be so willing to take the last couple of minutes today to just kind of talk to those, talk to those folks that have, have um, unfortunately been in that situation and uh, whatever, whatever message you would like to convey to them, that's, that's how we'll uh, kind of wrap things up today. If you, if you're okay with that. Man, I'm not only okay with that. I, th- I think it's probably the best segue in a podcast that I've since I've been doing these podcasts. So thank you for that opportunity. Um, One in three girls and one in six boys is the CDC statistic right now has been abused before the age of 18, sexually abused before the age of 18. Think about that for a second. One in three girls, one in six boys. And that's just reported. How many do you think are out there that just go unreported? So it's, it's huge. And it's a humongous problem. So to those of you out there that have been through what I've been through, and it may not be the same, there's varying levels of it from touching to pretty dramatic sexual encounters that are are tough to handle. If you've been through that, you know that you have some demons. You know it's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning, you know it's the last thing you think about at night, and you know there's hella triggers throughout the day. I know what you're feeling. I know what you see, and I know the demons that you feel like are clawing at you, at your thoughts, at your feelings, at your desires. Um, and I just tell you that you're not alone. I used to always think that I was alone and that stopped me. Not only did it stop me from ever talking about it, but it forced me to create false bravado. It forced me to create personalities and really multiple personalities. It it, it forced me to create what I, how I wanted people to see me and not necessarily how they saw me. Because I was abused, some of my abusers were men. And as a 14-year-old boy, you never want to be, you never want people to think you're gay. 
We haven't gotten comfortable with that concept yet as a culture in a, in a group of 14 year old boys. What do we do as 14 year old boys? We stand around and we say, if some gay guy ever touched me, I'd punch him in the mouth. Well, you know what I did as a 14 year old boy when a gay man touched me? I froze. I didn't punch anyone in the mouth. I froze. Because that's what happens in real life. And I promise you that whatever you're dealing with as an adult or even as a, a, a juvenile, if you happen to just still be 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, I don't know. But whatever you're dealing with post your abuse, you're not alone. And all of the fears that you have surrounded around talking about it and telling someone and what their judgments might be, I'm telling you right now, get rid of that because it won't happen. It really will not happen. People will rally around you. They will support you. They will help you do whatever it takes to get the healing that you need. And you will not suffer and endure the judgment that you think is going to happen. Also, and not to trivialize it, but the world really doesn't care. What you think is going to blow up into a monumental event that they were going to report on CNN won't happen. You'll be embarrassed a little. You'll have some shame feelings. You'll go through that, but the world won't care. The world will keep moving on. And I shouldn't say the world won't care, but it's not going to be this big event that you build up in your head that it's going to be when you start talking about it. So I urge you, anyone, man, woman, girl, boy, if you've been sexually abused, talk about it. Tell someone and keep telling someone and keep talking about it. That final accuser that was on CNN going after Larry Nasser, if any of you have seen her, she was a hero. She was a champion because she kept fighting and she kept telling people and she never gave up because what she's telling is the truth. And if what you're telling is the truth and no one can discount that, you have nothing to worry about. You keep fighting because you deserve it. You deserve to heal. You deserve to live a better life. You deserve to mute the demons. And then you know what else? You're going to break the cycle and you're going to be out there helping other people. And that's where I'd like to finish. Don't be afraid to get help. Perfect. Perfect. That's uh, thank you, Christian, for that. And again, guys, uh, runtoheal.org is the website at run 3000 miles. If you want to, uh, to keep tabs with Christian, where he's at, what he's going on, all that information is also on the website with the tracking information. So if you're on the route and you want to join him for a few miles or you want to share a story or whatever it might be, um, I, I know he'd be, he'd be up for it. So check, check him out, track it down. Dizruns.com slash five, two, eight is the link for the show notes. We'll have everything linked up there as well. Uh, Christian, thank you so much for, for your time. Thank you so much for, um, sharing your story, being, being willing to be open, being vulnerable. Um, it's helping others and, and, uh, nothing but, uh, obviously nothing but the best for you and this trip across the U S um, raise the awareness, help, help people. That's, that's ultimately the name of the game. So thank you for what you're doing. Um, and, uh, and, uh, nothing but the best Godspeed, my friend be well. And, uh, thanks for the time today. Thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. 
All right, guys. So obviously that that episode ended a little bit uh, on, a, on a bit uh, more powerful note, more somber note than usual. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip the whole rigmarole here at the end and and just close out um, by asking you once again um, if you'd be so willing as to to share this show. Um, again, you know, statistically speaking, um, there's a lot of people that are dealing with with a lot of hurt from their past, and uh, you know, as as with Christian as an example. Um, one of the best things that you can do is to, to share about it. And, uh, so I would just ask if you're, if you're willing to share this episode, because odds are that somebody on your friends list, somebody in your social media contacts, somebody in your, in your running circle has got something from their past that they've got bottled up and uh, is eating at them and they're struggling with, uh, even if they don't, even if outwardly, it doesn't appear that way. So, um, you know, there's plenty of things to take away from this episode. I'd be curious to know what, what it was for you. Um, but uh, I'm not going to go into the whole normal ending of, of this because I don't feel like it's it's right with how we, we wrapped up the uh, the conversation. So if you'd hit the share button on your, your listening app of choice and post it, I would be much appreciated. And uh, you never know what, what difference that might be, uh, what, what it might make to someone who, who listens to this episode and just, uh, you know, you just never know. So uh, that's it for today. Thank you guys for listening. Um, you know where to find me at DizRuns on the Twitter, DizRuns at gmail.com. And the show notes for this episode, if you want to link up and find out anything that Christian's got going on um, or the, the organizations or whatever, anything related to this episode, uh, DizRuns.com slash 528. So uh, that's it for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, please be well. Please take good care. And uh, thanks. See you guys.